With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and this is our injury edition of the show. This will be released every Friday night or Saturday morning. Basically, myself and the two guests that you will meet momentarily are going through all the injury reports, analyzing daily practice participation, looking at the official statuses, and trying to tell you which guys to worry about and which guys not to. Because I know ever since the NFL has gotten rid of the probable injury tag, very frustrating to see everyone have the questionable tag. And, you know... Not every questionable player is created equal. So that's basically what we're trying to carve out here. Most of these podcasts go, you know, between 40, 60 minutes, if not longer. We're just going to do this one as long as it takes. Go to the injury, guys. Maybe it'll be 15 minutes sometimes. Maybe it'll be 16. Who knows? Who can tell? But first, I must introduce two guys that you are all, all very familiar with at this point. Andrew Erickson, Dwayne McFarlane, PFF's finest. Boys, how's it going? Dwayne, you can answer first. Yeah, doing good. Thank you. Um, I mean, it's it's the NFL season. Like, God, last night was like amazing. Like everything we work on, you get to the point and it's like, oh God, it's really here. It's almost like surreal in a way because you've spent so much time thinking about it about to happen. And now it's actually happening, but doing great, man. Thanks again. Andrew, football's back. You pumped? I mean, I got the Tom Brady jersey in the background, so I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to go, man. I'm back on the bandwagon. Can't wait. I love when you have the Josh Gordon one back there, but I think Brady earned the inclusion in this episode. So people, we're going to get right into it. We're going to go do this by position. So starting off at quarterback, just three kind of quick ones. Carson Wentz will start despite the foot injury. Deshaun Watson has already been ruled out with a non-injury related reason. As we know, the Houston Texans are just stashing him this season, basically until that Dolphins trade happens. Maybe it doesn't happen. I heard it was an inch away from happening about a week ago. Has not happened. And then also Trey Lance has no injury has no official designation despite having the injured finger we'll see what the quarterback plan is we're all expecting jimmy g to start but lance will at least be active not sidelined by the injury so guys i guess carson once is the only one maybe worth touching on any sort of you know reluctance to trust this guy because i don't know like foot injuries are a big deal and to me you know the five to 12 week timeline they originally gave. Okay. He got on the short side of it, but are we looking at a potentially injured version of Wentz? Like Dwayne, does that go into your projections of these receivers at all? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of just staying away from the Colts period (laughs) besides Jonathan Taylor this weekend. Um, You know, I want to see more. I'm not super bullish on this offense anyway. And I guess I should say, as far as the receivers go, I do like Paris Campbell. I've stashed him on some teams, but it's not like I feel like I got a rush to get these guys into my lineup. So it's pretty much a fade for me. I'm not looking at it for DFS or any other purposes. Let them kind of earn their way. This is kind of an offense that I want to let them earn their way into my lineup. So hopefully it's not a decision that, you know, listeners are having to face with, oh my God, do I start Paris Campbell or not? That's very fair. And yeah, that's pretty much the only things to worry about a quarterback, which good, you know, as much as I hate when all these big hits and, you know, a quarterback gets love tapped and they're throwing a flag about it. Nothing is worse in the NFL than two bad quarterbacks or, 
just backups playing against each other. That's the most unwatchable version of the game we love we can get. So I'm happy that for now, knocking on wood, the league uh, is pretty healthy at the most important position. Moving on to running back, Saquon Barkley is listed as questionable. They asked him if he'll play, as has been the case the whole offseason. He wouldn't commit, but we did get Jordan Renan, who's been the reporter on top of this throughout the entire offseason, saying that it would take a setback for Saquon Barkley to be inactive. Uh, Andrew, we've been talking about this throughout the entire summer, man. It's like if we were getting medical reports about Barkley, like, you know, having uh, a setback, having relapses, not recovering right, it'd be one thing. It looks like he's going to be all systems going week one. Yeah, it's just a matter of how many touches he'll get, I think, is the real question. Again, if he's active and playing, I think that's different than him being his full Saquon Barkley role. So I have a lot of concerns about him not playing. I'm not touching him in DFS. There's no way, especially because the matchup is brutal. Denver Broncos have one of the best defenses in the NFL across the board, secondary defensive line, linebacker unit. I hate Daniel Jones in this matchup. I don't like any of these giants except like Sterling Shepard because I know he's just going to lock in seven targets for 60 yards and, you know, that's what he's going to do. But for me, I mean, if I can pivot off of Barkley with another running back that I drafted later, I know you could have drafted Raheem Mostert and Saquon Barkley. You can start Mostert over Barkley. I would do, I have Mostert ranked ahead of Barkley. So I, I'm not really high on Barkley this week. I don't really want to play him, but I understand that the running back position is pretty scarce. So you can't necessarily not play him. And also he plays in a late game. It's 425. So you're kind of stuck in a situation if he, for some reason, isn't active for some reason. So if he has a setback, I'm just not high on Barkley this week. Barkley or Dave Montgomery, Andrew? Dave Montgomery. Barkley or Mike Davis? Mike Davis. Dwayne, are you in conclusion with these? Because I'd go the opposite. I'd start Saquon over all those guys. Yeah, I'm a little more, I, I take more risk <laughs> in my fantasy lineups uh, with players like Barkley, but I, but I do totally get, you know, where Andrew's coming from, I, you know, and it comes down to ultimately like, how do you like to play the game? I think some of these are close calls and just what are, what makes you a little more comfortable? Like we're here to try to give you an edge, but like Andrew's analysis is good. And, you know, I think you and I approach it from a little bit of a different way, but they're both, they both have merit. So I think it ultimately on calls like that, it really does come down to you guys, the listeners and viewers, you got to figure out how do you want to handle your roster? And like, if I have tiebreaker stuff like this, normally Ian, what I do is I look at what I think my matchup is going to be like, do I need the upside or not? It's hard to do that in week one though, because you don't necessarily have the best feel for your team versus your opponents. Like week five, that works a lot better. That kind of is the tier he's in though, for those people thinking about it, he's in this kind of the optimist, Dwayne and I maybe have him as more of an upside RB2. Maybe the realists in the world, like Mr. Andrew, have them a little bit more in the low end range. So I think it's fair all around. Moving right along, we have word from the head ball coach in Baltimore that Le'Veon is still getting his legs underneath him. Uh, Andrew and I like broke down this Gus Edwards injury live on the podcast. That was immediately like not actionable after about 15 minutes of us being done because we have since had Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman. Le'Veon Bell is there as well. My take on this situation is that the only guy you could even feel somewhat comfortable playing this week is Tyson Williams. I have him as my RB 28 behind Josh Jacobs, Trey Sermon, Javante Williams, but you know, maybe he could even be a little bit higher in that range. Yes, I would start Saquon Barkley ahead of Mr. Tyson Williams. These other guys though, Man, if you if you're in a deep league, deep bench, and you can cut, you know, like your 
cut some no-name wide receiver or something, that's fine. But I don't know, man. I feel like Nathan Yonke, you know, our resident just stud at a PFF of just kind of knowing how the snaps are going to uh, fall and telling us all accordingly. I think he had the best take on this. Like, it seems like we're looking at a four-way competition to be the RB1, and this thing will be a lot more clear in about a month. Dwayne, is that kind of how you're treating things? Like, I just don't think any of the one of the – I don't think these veterans, like, one of them stands above the rest. Yeah, I'm not approaching it that way for this weekend. I think this weekend, Tyson right. Williams will probably get the most carries we've seen from a Ravens back in a while. Um, you know, it's a, it's an offense where we know they like to rotate everything. They rotate their receivers. They rotate their tight ends. Hell, they used to ro rotate their quarterbacks when Lamar Jackson was first starting to come in with Flacco. So we know they want to keep their players fresh. So I do believe that, you know, you're going to see Williams get spelled. But I think this could be a game where we actually see a Ravens back get to 20, 25 carries. And if I would, if I were to place a chip on which back that will be, I think it's very, I think it's very clearly, you know, Tyson Williams. So for this week, I'm more aggressive on him. I've got him as my RB 16. Oh. I agree with you seeing how it's going to play out. Well, it's just, you know, you're playing against the Raiders, your favorites on the road. Um, you know, that's a decent, you know, Four and a half point favorites on the road, if that's where the line still is, that's pretty good, you know, and we know the Ravens want to run the ball anyway. So I just have a hard time seeing Williams get under 20 attempts. I mean, I'd be interested in hearing, you know, what Andrew's thoughts are on it. I was about to say, Andrew, do you side more with me, conservative, or are we throwing them in there as a top 20 option already? I think it depends on the situation. Again, if you like, we're going to start Gus Edwards this week, then I think you kind of have to, I know I was in a situation where I'm just plugging and playing Tyson Williams in because I was going to start Gus Edwards and I don't really have anywhere else to pivot. So in that situation, you can feel good about, okay, you know, this guy could see a, a solid workload, but yeah, again, I don't know. I'll give you the guys. I would start him over. Go. All right. Ian, Go. I would start him over Daryl Henderson. I would start him over Miles Sanders. I'd start him over Chase Edmonds. I'd start him over Kareem Hunt. Uh, probably DeAndre Swift week one, David Montgomery, who I'm really low on this week. I'd start him over Josh Jacobs. I'd start him over Miles Gaskin. I'd start him over all those players. Sheesh. Okay. I like but it. Not Saquon, but not Saquon Barkley, though. No. I have him ranked one below Barkley, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> so I have to stick to my list because somebody <laughs> could be looking at it. <laughs> Saquon's like that point where I refuse to put like a lesser, like a some no name like, like a, an undrafted free like right. a, a guy well, it's different than receiver it's running back yeah right? running back i mean it is it's not let's not get into the whole running backs don't matter thing that's not what i'm talking about <laughs> but at the end of the day if you get the carries the offensive line's blocking in front of you you're gonna get points i mean and you know that ian like you you talk about that all the time because okay I'm, I'm moving out. them up i'm moving them up Dwayne, you have <laughs> i'm using ian's me. logic to make him move him up God, right. <laughs> i am not going as high as you it's I okay will say he let me be the most aggressive he needs to be side. ahead okay i'm i'm looking at rb22 now that put him ahead of henderson sanders edmonds and some of these other guys i think that's the way i look at it those guys all have questions yeah about their rotation so does Williams, but these are backs off the street, basically, that aren't may not be ready, up to speed in the offense. I think for week one, it's his opportunity to probably shine more than those others. And it's going to be his chance. If he really does well, he could really be in a Gus Edwards plus kind of role down the stretch. I say down the stretch. The season is just starting <laughs> from week two and on. Another incredibly banged up back. Not incredibly banged up, but it, it sure scared the hell out of a lot of us this week. Austin Eckler, back-to-back -back DMPs start the week with his hamstring injury. As we all know, that's what he was missing a bunch of time with last year for. The midweek edition, ultimately considered questionable. Head coach Brandon Staley did tell reporters that he is optimistic Eckler will play Sunday. It's always seemed this whole time in the PFF's own 
resident expert as Dwayne goes to get his Chargers helmet uh, from the other side. Oh, he's putting the helmet on. <laughs> Dwayne has put the Chargers helmet on. He's excited. You know what? Like, Cobweb- There's cobwebs in here. Yeah. Oh, Dwayne, Jesus. go, man. You got the, If you put a football helmet on, the official rule of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is, is you now get to talk for however long you want to. So go. <laughs> no, man. I don't, I don't really want to talk. I just heard <laughs> Chargers. And I thought, you know what? I have a Chargers helmet. It's signed by LaDainian Thomason. So TCU is like just right up the street from me. I haven't even drank anything yet. I don't know why I'm doing this. But um, yeah, the Eckler thing for me, um, this is the most concerning injury that we have so far this season, you know, because it is what he struggled with last year. And I mean, if it is something that lingers, um, man, like, well, I own a lot of him. So personally, you know, I'm kind of bummed about it. I'm, I'm pretty sure Andrew owns a lot of Eckler as well. Um, we know Nathan Yonke owns. <laughs> yes, Yonke, Yonke owns all of the Eckler that we don't have. <laughs> but, you know, I'm curious on y'all's thoughts because I don't really, and I mean, I have read everything I can find on this. I have no clue what to th- make of this backfield if he doesn't play. Like my best guess is it's just a big mashup. I don't see one guy taking everything unless you guys have been able to pinpoint and find something that I haven't. I think Justin Jackson would be the play, but I don't know how you could like confidently rank him better than like RB 30. If Eckler doesn't play, because I think we're looking at a mashed up three back committee, Larry Roundtree, Joshua Kelly, but from my understanding, Jackson won the number two job. And then even despite getting injured in training camp, he was still considered a number two favorite afterwards. Andrew, are we on the same page there? Yeah, it yeah. seems like Jackson would be take over the Eckler role, and then it would be Kelly and Roundtree that would kind of compete for that early down role, which you don't want because they're playing the football team against the deep. Like you don't want that that role at all. So do not look at Kelly or Roundtree at all. Again, if you're desperate, you have to add Justin Jackson off the waiver wire if we get an inactive report from Austin Eckler, and then like for DFS purposes, because I know that it'll be like, oh well, oh Justin Jackson's 4K. Like what do we do? Do we just like jam him in? And it's like. I think I'd rather just play a wide receiver yeah. because I think that you're looking at a player who's just going to look, he needs to catch receptions and that's what he's going to do. But there are cheaper receivers on the slate that you can get and also catch passes. So that's all you're looking at with Justin Jackson. He's going to you know rack up some receptions, but I don't anticipate him having a bunch of rushing touchdowns or a lot of rushing production. So that's the way I would play in, in daily. So let's say Eckler starts. Okay. Where are you guys putting him in the rankings? Cause I got to move him down tonight. I, oh, no. He's one guy that I haven't touched yet. Um, but either way at this point, like I'm, I'm going to move him down below other names. I moved him Um, down just now. I think to about RB 15, I got him behind James Robinson, Clyde Brzezaire, Jonathan Taylor. I think I'd still take him ahead of Carson, Saquon, Swift, and some of these other guys. But, he but you're gonna but you're gonna start him. Though. Like I say, that's better. Like, are you gonna start him? I'm or no? starting him. Yeah, okay. I think he's. Well, I, you have him in your top twenty-four. Even in knowing the injury news, you're probably starting him. Yeah, so, I don't think uh, you can bump him. What? Is, that. Yeah, it's it's one I struggle with, man. Hamstrings, it just scares me. Specifically with this player, it's already struggled with it. It popped up late. These usually aren't good. Usually these, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. Like. Maybe we have data somewhere on this. I'm sure we do. <laughs> like midweek injuries, like what the actual statistics are. I feel like the are narrative, we positive? Sure, right, is that midweek is bad. Are we positive this was a midweek injury though, or are they bringing them along? Well, maybe, maybe they've been hiding it. You're right. I don't know. Because that's You're my, right. We may not be. When they Good said point. originally about it, like he's always been working off on the side. It wasn't like, oh, Eckler left the practice field early. So it's, we're going to learn a lot more after this week, I think. But I, it, I'd be, unless you're in, you know, your six. Six man home league. Uh, I think you're gonna be hard pressed to be have a roster with enough running well, backs. The, the thing too with him. the Chargers, if you guys remember last year, remember that whole Keenan Allen thing? 
where they made him play. Oh yes, we he, remember <laughs> when he was like, he's like he wasn't even healthy. It's like, oh, you're gonna play. So I, I would like to say, come on here and be like, yeah, well, if he's active, like, you gotta you know assume he's healthy and he's good to go. But clearly, that that wasn't how the Chargers handled other situations before. So yeah, I probably have to to move. Chargers don't too. have the best track record, do they? With their doctors <laughs> and handling, they like puncture lungs. Yes, hundred like, percent. We, was, need, we might need to get Mario's take on, on Eckler. I was just so. thinking the other day, I wonder if like with the NIL stuff, if like college quarterbacks will be more willing than ever to, you know, if if the um, if the Texans win the first overall pick and whoever, you know, the quarterback is supposed to go one. Now this college quarterback is a multimillionaire already. They're just going to be like, I'm not playing for Houston. You can draft me, but like I'm not showing up for that. And we've already seen that happen. Most recently, I guess, would be Eli Manning and Archie saying, I don't want you to go to the Chargers, but it's just something to keep in mind. I do wonder. So so, so Davis Mills is actually the future of Houston. <laughs> Very well. Could be. All right, two more quick running back notes. DeAndre Swift, not listed on the final injury report. We weren't sure how serious this groin issue was throughout, uh, you know, really the last month or so. Good to go. We even got a uh, running back coach saying that, you know, there's not a touch limit for him. I guess the question remains, though, like, what's the split going to be between Swift and Jamal Williams? Because if it's going to be 60-40, 70-30 Swift, that's obviously fantastic. If it's more 50-50, now we're looking at split work and anyone's idea of, you know, still a tough matchup and a probably bottom, likely bottom five overall offense. I have Swift as, let's see, my RB 17 this week, one spot behind Barkley ahead of Montgomery, ahead of Mike Davis and some of these other guys. So am I more optimistic than you, Dwayne? Uh, no, you're, you're just a, yeah, you are slightly more optimistic than me, but I think he's right in that range. I've got him at RB 23 okay. right now. Um, you know, I just want to see that he is fully healthy. Did either of you call the Detroit Police Department, by the way? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, okay. get, it was no, not on my. You guys didn't get around to that. Okay, got it. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, yeah, I've got him at. I've got him as my twenty-third rank back for the week. I just want to see a week, you know, Ian with him. But um, man, if they're trailing and he does have the passing down work, it's going to be great. The thing is, we don't know. We have no clue. Like, what's Jamal Williams going to do? What's he going to do? We've heard the A back, the B back, which we're all assuming B means that Eckler, Sproles, Kamara kind of role, which is why we, you know, we're pretty aggressive with him in our rankings. Um, but we still have to really see what, what plays out, you know, in this game and how is Jamal Williams used. Andrew, similar sentiment, just in that low-end RB2 range? I have him a little bit higher. I have an RB15, and oh. I'm, I'm kind of approaching Swift more like you guys are kind of approaching Barkley to an extent. Like, you guys are buying the talent of Barkley in a bad matchup where he's potentially, you know, banged up or whatever, coming back from an injury. I'm worried about Barkley and, like, the amount of touches he's going to get. Whereas with Swift, I'm like, if they're going to be training in this game, I think he's going to get a ton of receptions. And I just think he's really talented. So that's why I'm going to buy him here at RB15. And I think that he's going to put up good numbers in this matchup. So. Well, when you put it that way, Andrew. Yeah, Jeez, it's, Andrew. it's fair, though. That's I remember, boy. you know, like <laughs> Dwayne and I, we were preaching uh, before, you know, fantasy drafts, like, hey, we have our 14 running backs here. After that, we're taking our receivers and tight ends. Swift was always that one guy that stood out. And I was like, yes. man, I hope we're not – missing this overthinking this because he can't like he's a great player it's just more of an opportunity volume he's gonna kill it on sunday just telling you if he gets the touches he he was the guy where it really the tear broke like he was the one that stood out to me that i want to own it yeah you know because once he's gone like i don't he has things that i don't feel really about the rest of these backs until you get down to the rookies that's the way i felt about swift so i did get some good ownership this is more just a week one thing but again i've got him in the rb2 range you know i totally get you know andrew's got him a little higher and I, I can get the logic behind that, too. 
Josh Jacobs has started the week with a DMP. He did get in a limited practice on Friday ahead of his Monday night football matchup against the Ravens. He was someone that, you know, if you do follow these injury reports uh, throughout the year, like he was constantly banged up last year. We are tentatively expecting him to play. Uh, and yeah, ignore his uh, Twitter account before the game or Instagram, whatever the hell it was when he told us that he wasn't Got going to that. play. People don't forget, Josh. People don't forget. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills, though, because people fancy football draft season is here and we are still offering 30% off any PFF subscription to all first time subscribers or promo code kickoff 30. You can get the player rankings that Dwayne, myself and Andrew fill out update throughout the week and the rest of our fantasy crew, all the locked article content cheat sheets for any of you stragglers that haven't had a fantasy draft yet. That'd be pretty ridiculous, but and more that's promo code kickoff 30 for 30% off any PFF sub get access to all of PFF's fantasy tools for just $7. Also want to give a quick shout out to the sponsors of today's show manscaped the leader in Below the Waist Grooming just launched a new performance package 4.0. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com using code PFF. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. All right, fellows, we're moving along to wide receivers. So, Coach Kevin Stefanski, this is why you should look at the quote instead of, you know, some of the more clickbaity headlines that some certain news organizations put out there. Wouldn't confirm if OBJ was going to play with the knee injury. He is listed as questionable. He was limited all week. But just realize, people, like, just like Saquon, every single piece of news about OBJ, all the timelines, all the just hoping that he's moving the way he's supposed to be moving, they've all been positive. And this was Stefanski's exact quote. He was just being a dick. I think he was limited today, so we will use the next 48 hours with all of these guys and determine who is playing and who is not. We will let you know 90 minutes before the game. Like, you know, I don't blame Stefanski for being a dick. He's just being a dick. I don't blame him. How many more times can I say dick in this uh, sentence? With that said, fully expect OBJ to uh, go. I'm just not anticipating him being like limited here. If you don't want to play him because you're concerned about, you know, Chiefs having a great defense against wide receivers or just you're worried about the Browns passing game in general, that's fine. But like, Andrew, you're not holding, you're not holding back like this injury as a reason to fade OBJ, right? No, I don't think he should. I mean, if you're not going to play confidence with OBJ in this matchup, you know, 54 and a half over under, like you can see Baker Mayfield throwing for a ton of yards and touchdowns in this game if they're going to keep pace with the Chiefs. And who do you think he's going to throw the ball to? Yeah. Donald Peoples-Jones? I'm sorry, Jared. It's not going to happen in week <laughs> one. It's going to be OBJ. So, yeah, I mean, you got to ask yourself that question. It's like, if I don't feel comfortable starting him in this spot, you're never going to feel comfortable starting him ever. So, I think you got to, if, if that's the way you feel, then trade him, I think is the thing you should do first. But yeah, I want to play OBJ and he's healthy. And like you said, the quote is really more or less Stefanski kind of just like sticking it to the the news reporters a little bit. So I think that he'll suit up and he'll be fine. Another receiver that has been banged up, Kenny Galladay with a hamstring injury. He was limited throughout the week, but he is off the injury report and good to go. Dwayne, I know he's someone that neither of us have been particularly high on throughout the offseason, and it's not the easiest matchup against the Broncos. Any interest in Galladay this week, or do you kind of want to wait and see what this uh, Giants offense looks like first? He's definitely more of a wait and see for me. Um, he just hasn't had any time to get any sort of connection going with Daniel Jones. Everything we heard when they were practicing together was that the connection was not there. Um, this offense just feels like it's going to be dysfunctional out of the gate. They, you know, they've struggled with injuries with Ingram. They've struggled with, you know, uh, Darius Tony hasn't been able to get on the field. Obviously, Galladay hasn't been able to get on the field. You got Saquon Barkley, who's been off the field. So, I mean, those are concerns. Andrew's sitting there shaking his head thinking, yeah, you guys have Barkley too high. I mean, like you're making the case for me. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a player that I'm fading um, because it's dependent on, 
really the chemistry with his quarterback and they haven't been able to get much chemistry going and Daniel Jones just sucks anyway. So, I mean, there's that. Kenny Galladay literally said himself that he thinks their offense is going to start slow. So if you don't want to take Dwayne and I's word for it, take Kenny's himself. Pretty- well, I mean, implied points of 19 and a half is pretty crappy. Um, <laughs> is there one worse for the week? No, that's the second lowest on the slate. So you can take it from Vegas as well. <laughs> Traquan Smith has been added to the short-term injury reserve with a hamstring injury. He was a midweek addition. will be out at least three weeks. Andrew, we did a DFS pod that went live on Thursday, and it should still hold up pretty fine for everyone out there that wants to go listen to that. Get your feet wet in the DraftKings, uh, you know, rat race this weekend. And I guess one of the things we were wondering about with Marquez Callaway, he's sitting there super cheap at 3600 He's going to be chalky. And I think now, Andrew, like we almost have to lock him in to cash games because without Traquan, there like Callaway will be at worst their number two pass game option yeah I don't see why you wouldn't you know eat the chalk with Marquez Callaway he has a connection with James Winston this isn't something we're like projecting with some of these other players that are in that low salary range where we're kind of like okay like he should get the targets like I know Michael Pittman is like really popular in similar range because oh he should be like Carson Wentz's favorite receiver but we actually don't know that like we know James Winston likes throwing the ball to Callaway like we literally saw it and Callaway looked good so I don't see why that would change. Yes, Kamara is going to get targets as well, but we're all going to, also going to see Jameis Winston play a whole game. So Callaway, yeah, he's not going to see Jair the entire time. Jair didn't shadow anybody after week seven from last year. So I don't anticipate them, you know, matching him up and, and locking him down. So I think that Callaway makes a lot of sense. And look, man, some players are just good. Like, and he's shown that he's been a good, efficient player when he's gotten targets and gotten opportunities. So he's got a prime opportunity once again. And we know that the other cornerbacks on the Green Bay Packers are not great. So yeah, I think that Callaway, even in seasonal leagues too, like yep. you drafted him and you need a spot start. I like him in the as a wide receiver three. Yeah, definitely. I'm moving him up into that wide receiver three range without a trick one there. For sure. Couple other receivers that will be playing. Cortland Sutton is all systems go after, you know, coming back from the ACL rehab last year. Looked good in the preseason. Still not the sexiest game. I understand people want to, you know, employ a similar Kenny Galladay approach and just give it a second. But for those of you that did take the discount on Sutton, things are looking good going into the year. AJ Brown, same stuff he did last year. Like NBC Sports Edge. Please stop giving us the DMP every Wednesday on AJ Brown. I get you had to do it for week one, but this happened every single week last year. They're resting the guy because he needs to be ready for Sunday, not Wednesday. AJB is fine. Wide receiver one season continues. And Darnell Mooney was limited to start the week, finished with a full practice. So he's listed as questionable, but he is looking good. I don't think too many of you are lining up to play Mooney against the Rams, even though. He, quote-unquote, owns Jalen Ramsey. We all saw that one uh, clip. But, yeah, not expecting too much of that. A couple other uh, quick notes. Nelson Aguilar is questionable ahead of week one, limited on Friday uh, after he got a DMP on Thursday. Ankle issue. If Aguilar is out, Jacoby Myers does become more intriguing. This matchup against the Dolphins, you know, elite pair of outside cornerbacks, though, and Xavier Howard and Byron Jones probably just one to stay away from. Also, I have Preston Williams from the Dolphins is questionable with a foot injury. If he is out, it's going to be Jalen Waddle. Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson and three wide receiver sets. Dwayne, do we need to get on the Jalen Waddle train like right now? It's not a great matchup, but man, like all of a sudden it's looking like the target total that we already liked. And that floor just keeps getting higher. Yeah. I mean, I, I want in now. Um, I am in now <laughs> I'm in a lot. Like if it goes wrong, it's going to be bad. Um, you know, but I mean, his ADP wasn't bad either. Right. You're getting him, you know, in the ninth round of competitive leagues and even later, like in home leagues, but yeah, um, to me, like when I look at Waddle, 
I think, you know, one, he gets to operate from the slot. He's going to be in that intermediate to short range of the field. They want him to do a lot of run after the catch. We know that one of the concerns with the Dolphins is the offensive line. So, I mean, I think it could be a huge part of their game plan. And, you know, not not just now, but even once Fuller and some of those other players are back because Tua's going to have to really get his legs under him. He's going to have to figure out, okay, how to handle the rush, um, how to still get the ball down the field when you're facing the rush. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Dolphins start off the season because the offensive line really is a big concern. I got a – it might be common sense to Andrew and Dwayne, but for those that's not – I got a question on Twitter today and just wanted to kind of rehash uh, the answer where someone was saying like, hey, do I need to roster two quarterbacks in redraft? And if so, like should I be dropping Waddle for Kirk Cousins? No, people. If you have a Lance Field situation and you need to get a Cousins Fitzpatrick, that's an exception. Otherwise, you only need your one quarterback. It's probably a top 10, top 12 guy. And that's one of the nice things about only having one quarterback. You get to have potential lottery tickets like Jalen Waddle on your bench instead of someone like Cousins Fitzpatrick, who you're not starting over your starter regardless. And they're probably, or someone similar to their level, will be available by the time you actually need to start them anyway. So same thing goes at tight end. Like if you have a good quarterback or tight end starter, don't feel like you need to back them up just to do so. Uh, some Jets wide receiver injury news. Jamison Crowder has been ruled out, and we got Keelan Cole questionable. He's looking like a straight-up game-time decision. Andrew, I believe in the DFS pod, we said the best 3K receiver was Rondale Moore. Do you think that these injuries elevate Elijah to the best punt status at 3K? Because I do. Yeah, I, I think that Elijah Moore becomes the better 3K wide receiver of him versus Rondale. I think it's just you go down to usage. When you look at Rondale, yeah, I think we could probably lock him in maybe for more targets, but we know his targets are really, really close to the line of scrimmage. Like his dot is basically that of a running back, whereas Elijah Moore, and that was the main difference between these two slot players coming out of college, was Elijah Moore was way used more downfield. And I think that's what you're looking for with a 3K receiver. Like if he just catches a, you know, a deep pass from Zach Wilson, like boom, like that's what you need to really hit on a 3K wide receiver that that's cheap. So yeah, I don't think you should start Elijah Moore in, in regular leagues just because you don't necessarily know how the rotation is going to play out. Denzel Mims is still on the team and Keelan Cole is only questionable. So he, if he plays, like he could also still like be in part of that rotation. I know that the Jets also like to use Jeff Smith sometimes as well. So again, there's no guarantee that Elijah Moore is going to be just, you know, running at hundred percent snap share. So really, I think the DFS play that's really interesting is, is really actually like Corey Davis. Cause I think that a lot of people are just going to obsess over Elijah Moore and right. I, I, Rightfully so, I think you should get excited, but I think that people are going to overlook Corey Davis and the fact that, you know, Zach, when Zach Wilson drops back, like, Corey Davis is the guy he's looking for. That's the number one guy. So, yes, Elijah Moore is very tantalizing, but there may be a leverage play with Corey Davis, who's a little more expensive. I mean, he's only at 4,900. It's not bad at all, but, you know, people were asking me straight up, like, oh, do I start Elijah Moore with Corey Davis? I'm like, no, like, you know, start Corey Davis. Like, we know the targets are going to be there for him. Elijah Moore just a little bit more ambiguity to him. If you want the cash game, floor, 3K play, that's fine. Go Elijah, but 100% Corey in the GPPs. Yeah, I just Googled Jeff Smith. Just to, I forgot he was still on the Jets. And, like, this dude is so – I'm sure Jeff Smith is a very nice guy in real life. But Jeff Smith, the American cartoonist, comes up first if you Google the name Jeff Smith. So, come on, Jets. I better not see Elijah Moore on the sideline because of Jeff Smith being out there. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is listed as questionable with a foot injury. I've tried to look more into this, and I – think he's actually been dealing with it throughout the last month or so and he was out there in the preseason so i would say sanders is more on the side of probable what a warrior dude played freaking 17 games after having a late season achilles injury i think he'll be out there just fine 
couple big wide receiver news uh, to end this, I guess. Curtis Samuel is now on the short-term injured reserve. They were trying to ramp him up earlier this week, and I believe it was Wednesday when we saw him like legit just limping off of practice. He did suffer a setback, and he'll be out for at least the next three weeks. So, Dwayne, we know Terry McLaurin is going to the freaking moon. This is an appropriate time to say someone is going to the moon, in my humble opinion. Diami Brown, Adam Humphreys, Logan Thomas, who are you now behind knowing that Curtis Samuel was out I think the opportunity is really for Diami Brown I, I mean I think obviously we know Logan Thomas is going to get his um, but I don't see Logan Thomas necessarily demanding a lot more if you look at his targets per route it's okay it, you know it, he here's what happened for Logan Logan Thomas last year is he just never left the field so eventually the targets caught up but it wasn't like he was demanding these above average looks from his quarterback when you break it down by route um, so there's different ways different players can get, you know, their fantasy scoring production. And Logan Thomas's really wasn't through efficiency. It was through sheer volume. So I don't necessarily see him taking a big step forward. I still think he's a good player and he gives you a nice floor. Like we talked about, you know, Ian and our pods before the draft, he was kind of like, once you got to a certain level, like Logan Thomas, you know, what will at least be on the field. But I think it's Diami Brown. Um, you know, and I know Andrew's got some good data on Diami, so I'll defer to him here in a second, but I just love the explosive upside. The, the big thing for me with Brown is not only does this open the door for him to have, you know, a nice week here right out of the gate, you know, and potentially provide some DFS value, but it, it keeps the door open, in my opinion, you know, Ian, for him to stay on the field for the, for the rest of the season. Because if he comes out and he plays really well, and when Curtis Samuel comes back, we could technically see Curtis Samuel play more inside and underneath. We saw him do that last year with the Panthers. So right now, if we were starting the season and Curtis Samuel was playing, we would probably be guessing that the slot role or the third wide receiver role, they may not line up in the slot every time, but Adam Humphreys and Diami Brown would have been splitting a lot of that work, right? And it would have been Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin on the field all the, all the time along with Logan Thomas. Well, now I think what this does is it opens up the possibility that when Curtis Samuel comes back, it's going to be too hard to take Brown off the field. And because they could still use Brown as that field stretcher, they could put Samuel on the slot. Um, this probably hurts Adam Humphreys the most, not that any of you own Adam Humphreys. <laughs> Andrew, thoughts on your stand, your standum of them, Diami Brown. Oh yeah, Diami Brown, super explosive. One of the better perimeter wide receivers. Again, we talked about with this draft process, all these receivers coming in. Ian, I, I think that you coined them the Mickey Mouse clubhouse because they were all very small and slot receivers. That was not Diami Brown. He was one of the exceptions of the role. You know, super explosive, a winner on the outside in the perimeter. He was one of the best college football receivers on targets 20 plus yards down the field. So he's really explosive and that fits with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we've known to know as a gunslinger at times throughout his career. So I like, there's definitely upside with Diamond Brown. The only thing that's weird about the way that his usage was during the preseason was, this is something that pointed out by, I talked to Yankee about this. Basically when the, when the football team, because Curtis Samuel obviously didn't play in the preseason, the football team had three receiver sets. It was McLaurin, Cam, Sims, and Humphreys. But then when they did two receiver sets, they had Diami Brown and Terry McLaurin. So I don't think it's a guarantee that we just kind of see Diami Brown in week one immediately contribute as that number three receiver with Humphreys and Terry McLaurin. I think that we're going to see him split a little bit of time with Cam Sims potentially. Ultimately, I believe the talent should win out and, and Diami Brown will eventually demand to be on the field more because he's just really good. But I think in week one, I would be hesitant to, to play him. I think if you're playing a deep league, you should add him because we don't know how long Curtis Sam is going to be out. I mean, he's been dealing with this injury for a while. Um, but I would not play him in DFS, especially with the other 3K options available. 
couple final notes before we touch on some of the bigger Cowboys news. Uh, tight ends are relatively healthy around the league. Noah Fant had a leg injury, but he is good to go. Does not have a final injury designation. Evan Ingram has been ruled out uh, with that calf injury. Kyle Rudolph, seemingly the tight end one, but he has also been limited throughout the week with a foot injury, so I don't think it would shock anyone if Oh my, Caden Smith, that's his name, the number three tight end. If Caden ends up playing a pretty good amount of this game as well, like you, you are not starting either of these uh, Giants guys. Go find someone better to start. If I get one start sit question with Kyle Rudolph on Sunday morning, I am going to be upset, people. Uh, a couple injury things. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is out with a calf injury, and I've seen a lot of fantasy analysts saying, oh, like all, all systems go for DK Metcalf. Like if you were worried about DK Metcalf because of Xavier Rhodes, yes, like, Ian. Get, yes. get your head out of 2017, people. The year is 2021 i love xavier rhodes back in the day but it truly was back in the day it's always been russ metcalf locket season and that was you know something that Dwayne and i were talking about on our still relevant wednesday game by game preview pod uh marshawn Lattimore, i noticed was limited on or actually he, yeah he was limited on thursday with a knee injury but he did come back to practice on friday like I know Devontae Adams is going to roast him and any other cornerback that comes at him. But, like, this Saints secondary is a lot weaker than it was last year. And if you're now taking away, like, the only remaining kind of okay guy, like, Devontae Adams might go for 600 yards uh, if Marshawn is somehow not able to play. Also, with Dory Jackson, now a member of the New York football team Giants, questionable with an ankle injury. Losing him would be good news for Jerry Judy. I'm anticipating uh, a Dory shadowing Judy, but maybe not if he's at less than 100%. Uh, and James Bradbury, he usually takes the bigger body wide receiver, which is, of course, Cortland Sutton. So that takes us to some Cowboys news and unfortunate news because Michael Gallup with the calf strain is expected to miss three to five weeks. I know Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb were stealing the show last night on the game, but man, before Gallup got hurt, he had four impressive catches, one of the better toe taps I've seen, and he had like a near touch. It was a sick diving catch out of bounds. Dak just didn't really even give him a chance, but you know, Michael Gallup was someone where he was going to be a free agent next year. Everyone knows he's one of the best number three receivers in the league, and it's, it's unfortunate he's going to miss time. So it looks like Cedric Wilson is the next man up. We'll also see plenty of Noah Brown, who was uh, inactive last night. But, Dwayne, you know, we're sharing a show sheet here. I know you got a lot to get off your chest here about uh, Gallup, so go off, King. Yeah, um, and just so everybody knows, Lael Collins has now also been suspended, yes. it sounds like, for five games. So Sheesh. luckily I'll hit that one real quick. You know, they signed – you know, Tyler, how do you even say his last name? Who's the swing tackle? Uh, Ian, do you know? I'm lacking on my swing tackle. Am now. I saying it right? <laughs> like, I'm a Cowboys fan, so, like, I should know that. Close anyway, enough. they did sign a swing tackle, so at least they can hopefully get – after what happened last year, whenever, you know, Lael Collins actually, you know, never even got to play, and then you had, you know, Tyron Smith get hurt, the Cowboys knew they needed to have somebody that could be able to come in and just hold the fort down um, if there was an injury. So, thankfully, that was taken care of. Um, so, from a – from a perspective of Michael Gallup, just if you look at last night, you know, once Gallup was gone, so for the final three drives of the game, here are the routes um, per pass play. So every time the Cowboys drop back to pass, these were the guys in the routes. 100% for Amari Cooper, 100% for CeeDee Lamb, 85% for Cedric Wilson, 61% for Dalton Schultz, 46% for Blake Jarwin. So um, Lamb was the guy that obviously got the big bump. Amari had already been playing nearly every snap anyway. Um, if you look at their targets during those three drives, I know small sample, but 
42% to Amari, 33% to CD, 8% to Cedric Wilson, 8% to Dalton Schultz, and 0% to Blake Jarwin. Um, so I expect this to be really big, you know, for CD Lamb. Um, we had seen in the preseason, Ian, where CD was staying on the field in the um, 12 and 21 sets. Last night, we were not seeing that until Gallup was hurt. So just showing you, again, like people ask us about preseason stuff, and we try to do the best we can, but it, it's always more of a an art than a science. Yeah. We can't be 100% sure you can use the information that you have and you try to make the best guess that you can based on the data points that you have. And with everything around CD, you know, we were thinking, all right, well, maybe he's going to finally get all of that. And if he does, he's going to be worth that, you know, late second, early third round pick. Well, now you're probably going to get that. And there's a good chance that, that Lamb plays well enough that he can just retain that role, right? Even once Gallup comes back. Um, so if you're a Lamb owner, um, this is good news. If you're a Gallup owner, obviously we don't want anyone like Gallup to be hurt. We all love him. He's a good player. Um, but this is this probably really helps for the folks that spent the high draft capital on CD Lamb. It's probably going to get you through. As far as the way I would handle it in fantasy football, um, I know there's been some tweets about Cedric Wilson. I, I like him okay, but when you go back and you look at his targets per route, like historically over the last couple of seasons and then even last night, it's nothing, it's not great, right? So the way I you know, the way I look at it is receivers do earn their targets, right? Talent wins out at receiver even more so than it does at running back, actually much more so. And we just haven't seen as much as the Cowboys say they like Wilson. I expect more volume to go to Cooper and Lamb. Yes, I expect Cedric Wilson to pick up um, you know, some targets, but I don't think he'll get like to 15%. No. I think he might get to 15%. Like that would be his ceiling. Now you could say 15% on a team that's going to th run a million plays like in one <laughs> quarter that actually, yeah, could be worth something. I just don't expect it, you know, to be something where it's going to be a player that you really want to use that often. I would still probably going into next week, you know, I'll have him in my top 60, but I don't, I don't, I don't anticipate looking up and being like, oh my gosh, I've got Cedric Wilson in my top 40 receivers. It's not going to happen. And I really think when, because Noah Brown will almost inevitably be active uh, next yep. game now. And I, I don't think like Cedric's necessarily going to command 100% of the wide receiver three snaps. I could see them, you know, almost going like 60 40 between those guys. And Andrew, are you kind of on the same page where like, I think Cedric will be fine. He's a good enough player, but. You know, we'll do our uh, waiver wire pod uh, for next Tuesday, but I don't think um, Cedric is someone that you need to get by any stretch of the imagination. No, I think that you're just going to see a lot of times we just see when guys go down, we, you, the targets just kind of concentrate on the, the heavy hitters. You know, that's kind of the wrong analysis that oftentimes happens where we just kind of focus in on like the potential like direct backup who's just a worse player. And most of the time it's just like, well, it's just Lamb and Cooper and the better players just get more targets because like Dwayne said, like, if you're good you earn targets and Cedric Wilson he's, he's fine but he's not nearly on any type of level as the other guys on the offense so what about so with Gallup 12 team league no IR spot do you cut him mm. I mean there's gonna be waivers running I, I don't know if you can hold him especially with probably. like the first couple of weeks of waivers yeah probably. it just for me it would depend like how deep of a bench are we talking you know if it's something where you only let's say you're talking in leagues where you've got 14 to 15 players total on your roster um, which a lot of leagues do um, I'm I'm probably cutting him, especially if you've got to have a defense and a kicker out of that. Like, so would you would you cut Gallup um, for like Latavius Murray? Not Latavius, but I would for Tyson. No. Sorry, Ian, go ahead. I I said not for uh, Latavius, but I would for Tyson. Yeah, Is that fair? I, yeah. I would agree with that, but no, I wouldn't do it for Latavius. Yeah. There's going to be someone you're going to want to do it, though, to your point, Andrew. Yeah. There's going to be someone you're going to want to do it for. This is why hopefully um, you and listen. It, and again, to... depends on the league, but you can always be the person to 
come back and get Gallup too. Cause typically when you drop a player like that, I mean, I don't want to say typically sometimes they're going to get picked up, but a lot of times people don't want to clog up their roster with something like that. Um, yeah, especially in those formats. It's definitely best to like do it now. Like don't like wait two weeks when he's still already hurt. Just like make the decision. Mm-hmm. Like I'm keeping him or I'm not like, you got to make the decision now. And I, I would agree that I'd probably cut him. Yeah. Most, I think listeners that tried to, go through our anchor RB style uh, draft advice. Hopefully have five or six awesome wide receivers. So this won't be hurting you too much. Obviously again, hope all the best for Mr. Gallup. And yeah, I think this target concentration is going to be absurd. Amari Cooper in his last five full games with Dak has had 16, 16, 12, nine and 14 targets. CD is plenty up there as well. And people got to love our one game pace stats. Dak Prescott this year, he's looking um, pretty good to put up some numbers as I'm scrolling to get it. Yeah, Dak Prescott on pace to throw for 6,851 yards this season. You got to love it. I'm sure that will persist. And also, people, I just want to say, fire up your tailgates. The NFL is back in on the action before opening night kicks off at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings giving all customers the opportunity to participate in this year's no-brainer offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, don't miss out. DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 or more on any football game. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFFBET. New customers bet $1 on any football game to receive $200 in free bets instantly with promo code PFFBET. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Free bet promotion for new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Max wager limit supply. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Set Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Fellas, we have completed our first full week of in-season content. We will be back together on Sunday morning. You guys can check out our PFF Start Sit Hour at 10 a.m. It will not be a version of this podcast. Like, you know, it's going to be completely irrelevant after three hours when the games start, but we want to get your start sick questions and that will be a stream yard link 10 a.m. It will be sent out by PFF, PFF fantasy, and I'm sure we will all retweet it as well. So, you know, I, I love trying to get to your questions and stuff, uh, replying on Twitter and we'll still try to do some of that and everything, but the easiest way for you to get your questions answered will be to log on to the stream yard link. And again, we'll just try to get through as many questions as possible on Sunday. Andrew, let the people know about the fabulous work you've come out with this week that can help them get their lineups right before Sunday. Yes, we got Stardom Sidem up on the website. We got the DFS cheat sheet and yeah, tons of great stuff. Get you ready for week one. It's going to be a great time. Good luck to everybody. Great day to be great indeed. Dwayne, how about you? Yeah, so you can go onto the site and you can find actually there's several things that I put out just as far as waivers, trades, things to do before this weekend slate happens. So if you're thinking about just roster construction strategy, that kind of stuff, you can go find that. Um, So there's one on players to trade for, players to trade away, and then waiver wire moves all before, you know, the slate of games this weekend. And then also I have my tiers and my rankings up. And I really tried to do something, and I'm going to keep trying to improve this throughout the year, but I've got the Vegas point totals, the spreads, the implied points. I've got the wide receiver cornerback matchups included in it. I've got the offensive line matchups, I've got the tight end matchups. It's like I've got everything, and I try to use it to pull together, okay, how, how should we tier these players versus just ranking them? To really give you guys some options, hopefully you can use that for your DFS plays as well, not just for something where you're trying to set your lineups for your home. Gotta love your tiers, and gotta love you listeners out there, thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. They're Andrew, Dwayne, I'm Ian. 
And this has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody. Yeah.